Hey, peace and blessings, everyone. You're now locked in with the baddest chaplain on the globe, Chris B. First and foremost, I want to thank you so much for subscribing to us on YouTube, baddestchaplain.substack.com, Spotify, Apple, any and everywhere that you get podcasts. Our guest today is comedian, actor, writer, host, and producer, Rashad Bashir. Rashad has performed at the Apollo, Levity Live, Caroline's Comedy Club, and other comedy clubs in New York City. He is the 2019 winner of the Harlem Comedy Festival. Rashad, welcome to the podcast. It's good to have you here. Man. You. How you doing? Thank you, man. I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful, man. Healing Excellent. well and feeling well. That's it. That's that's the mission, man. That's the mission. So I, I want us to um, walk through the whole journey, man. Like, talk to us about that first moment, whether it was in school, you know, it, it, with your family, uh, or like a cookout or something, when you first realized... I really enjoy making people laugh. Not that you made people laugh, but you're like, I enjoy making people laugh. Like, when did that first happen for you? Ah, man, this is a, that's a loaded question. It really, sure. I was a, a young kid I, before 10 years old, before yeah. 10 years old. Uh, I would say about, I would say about four or five, like my family uh -huh. gave me a lot of attention. You know, they spoiled cool. me with a lot of love. And, you know, they would always put me in the spotlight. I uh -huh. always put me in front of them because for some reason, as a kid, I always had something to say. Yeah. And, you know, whatever I said, it would, like, make them laugh. Or even like, oh, Rashad, look at you. Look at you. <laughs> and then, you know, I had this thing of always wanting to have attention, to have something to say, and people react to it positively. Got you. And then around nine years old, I came across this program I was too young at the time to know what it was, mm -hmm. but I see these adults on TV in a space speaking and making adults laugh. Right. It was BT Comic View. Yes. yes. It was, it, I, I, and I tell you, I never forget it. This is, I tell everybody this. My first encounter with stand up, uh -huh. like professional stand up, right. was watching BT Comic View. This was when Ricky Smiley was the host. Right. Yeah, and then they had Ronaldo Ray in, right. the, in the backdrop. Kind of by like window. a lounge or whatever? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And Laura <laughs> Hayes was also on right. the stage with them. And I remember seeing this being sort of like a superpower. No doubt. These adults are on a, are on a stage. I didn't understand mm. it was a stage at the time. Right. But they're in front of all these adult people saying things and making them laugh. Right. And I was like, I want to do that. That mm -hmm. That's a superpower to me. And I, no I wanted to do that. So how I got started with doing that, I would take some of the jokes that the comedians were saying, and I would say <laughs> it to my friends. You of know, course, of course. Naturally, right. like, like, like everybody does. 100%. Starting stand-up. And it was like, I would tell it to my friends, and they'd be like, oh, I heard that before. Tell me uh, something. Else. Tell me something new. Right. So I was like, damn, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> now, seeing it live in person mm -hmm. was through my mom. Okay. She worked in the beauty salons in Harlem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she would have all these clients, and she would have... It was amazing to see, because she would have, like, seven or eight clients. Mm. She'd have four in the dryer. Then she'd have two in... In, in the sink, washing their hair. Right. 
And then she'd have two customers that would come in. She would like undo their braids or like cut whatever their hair. And while she's doing this, yeah, just like on it. And while she's doing this, they're talking to her and she's replying to what they're saying and making them laugh. All seven people. Right. All like just, and they'd be like, Trina, you crazy. And (laughs) it was just, it was just amazing to see. Yeah, and then yeah. it was in my head. I was like, she's doing what I saw those adults doing on TV. No but doubt. she's doing it in person. And at the time, I didn't know what was happening. Uh-huh. I just knew I wanted to be somebody that had something to say right. and have people around me and enjoy what I'm saying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I wanted to be able to feel, put joy into their life, put humor into their life. Absolutely. And then I was like, you know what? I want to be a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. First of all, everybody in my family is funny. My dad, my, my, my stepdad, my dad, my mom, my brother, everybody, like, everybody in my family. Come on. We would go to cookouts. Yo, we would go to cookouts, and they would do the dozens. Everybody just right. laughing and joking, and it was just like, wow, this is unbelievable. I had no idea the importance yeah, yeah. Of what a stand-up comedian was to people. For sure. For it was sure. it was unbelievable to me. And I said, you know what? This is something I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Get you. Fast forward. It's 2004, February. I'm 15. Mm-hmm. I sign up for the Valentine's Day uh, talent show mm-hmm. at my high school. Right. And I did my first official stand-up comedy set yeah yeah that's, that's and from it. i and at, at i was 15 i stopped because i was like i don't know what this was because i tried mm. to do it again after that like when i was like 16 17 it didn't like go the way i wanted yeah so i said to myself oh i really need to sit down and write something guys gotcha. really come up with something then that i would say at 22 i was like you know what let me go to an open mic. Uh-huh. Let me try this. And then from, that was 2010. And from 2010 up until now, the rest yeah. is history. The rest is history. It's funny, I'm I'm hearing you talk about that that sort of like training ground of just like, you know, your family and just like learning how to like tell jokes at school, but that desire to write. And as you're saying that, it made me think about, you know, when I first encountered your work on Instagram, um, mm. one of your impressions of who I consider one of the greatest writers in comedy of all time, Paul Mooney. Like, just, yeah. I mean, brilliant at stand-up, but just wrote, like, just a genius when it comes to what yes. he was writing. Talk to me about his impact on you, how he's inspired you as a comedian. Like, obviously, you do the impressions, and they're fantastic, but right. his legacy, how it's inspired you as a comedian. So, I will say I met Paul Mooney on two occasions. Okay. First one, because, you know, he he was in Harlem a lot. Right, That's right, right. So there was, there were, uh, I heard stories about, you know, Paul Mooney, he doesn't like to be approached. He doesn't like to be, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, people shouting out to him like, hey, Paul Mooney, like he's some right. big celebrity star. Right. He was always say, I'm not Hollywood, I'm neighborhood. That's the That's one. That's what he would say. That's the one. He would always say that. <laughs> I'm walking and he's coming from like, He's coming, uh, he's walking west. So he's on the Apollo side. So he's walking yeah. from under the marquee. Mm-hmm. And I look at him and I was like, hey, Paul Moon. He's like, oh, he gave me, he gave me one of those. I was like, oh. 
I was like, okay. And I was like, and at that point, I was like, people were right. They were right. <laughs> they weren't making that up, right? Right. They were right. <laughs> Second time I meet him, this is 2017. Mm-hmm. It was a comedy, um, it was like a comedy award show that was yeah. put together at the Alhambra Ballroom right okay. across the street from the state office building. Yeah, yeah. And every 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 major black stand-up comedian is there. D.L. Mm-hmm. Hughley, um, mm-hmm. Bill Bellamy, Coco Brown, Marshall wow, wow. Warfield, Joe, yeah, yeah. Joe and Guy Torrey. I sat at... Uh, uh, I sat at... Uh, Guy Tory's table, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. younger brother. I sat right. at his table, and it was just unbelievable. And then I'm looking around. I see all these celebrities. I see all these celebrities. I saw Full Force. Wow. From yeah, Full Force wow. from um from House Party. That's what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it was just unbelievable. And I'm looking around, and I see these people. And then Paul Mooney comes out. Mm-hmm. He's with his wife mm-hmm. at the time, and he's with his uh, daughter. Sprite. They bring him out, and at the at this time, um, I didn't know he had. Uh, I don't know if it was dementia, dementia or Alzheimer's. Yeah, right. So I had to, uh, but I I can tell that he was like, kind of unaware of where sure. he was. Sure, and that his his family had to uh, bring him out. No doubt. And it was at that moment I was like, wow, yeah, this is. I'm in front of history, right, right, right now. And at the time, I didn't really. Like, I knew about Paul Mooney. I saw mm-hmm. a lot of his work, mm-hmm. but I didn't get into it extensively. And then I saw him, and I heard him speak, and I was like, wow, he's a, this is... The real deal. This is this is who this is. Yeah, yeah. And then the person that brought me there, her name is, uh, her name is Allison Williams. Mm-hmm. She's the first lady at Def Jam. Okay. She got me in. She, uh, she was like, oh, this is my nephew. And she's like, Paul, I want you to take a picture with my nephew. And that was the second time we met. Yeah. Took a picture together. Right. And I said, I have to look deeper into who he was and what his legacy was. So I started looking at his stand-up, started really watching his stand-up. His writing was genius. Yeah, yeah. Genius. Genius, man. And I said to myself, like, this man is, he's fearless. He tells the truth because, you know, sometimes comedians tell the truth right. and they don't know how to package it with a humorous aspect. For sure. He told the truth straight, but he did that. He did that clever writing. Yeah. Where it was the hard truth, but it was that clever writing that made you laugh at it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I said, I need to write like that. I need to write more fearlessly. Yeah. And so I started, uh, I, when I started imitating his voice, I said, I got the voice down. Mm-hmm. I need the content. I need yeah. the writing. So I had to start listening to how he was writing. I watched his uh, his stand-up special. And let me yeah. tell you, he was he's very rough <laughs> on white people. He is oh. very... No, no, no punches pulled. No punches, no punches pulled. pulled at all. <laughs> no. And I, have, I always have this thing. He would say, if you don't make white folks leave, you're not funny. <laughs> you don't make them, the white folks are still at your show at the end of your set, nigga. You are not funny. I'm sorry, can I, I'm, I'm sorry. Can I, you did. You did. Oh, okay. Because you, you can't, you can't edit if you know Paul Booty. You got to do Paul Booty. Right. If you, know, if you know Paul Booty, unedited. It, it was, it was uh, like shout out to Aerie Spears. What he said, you know, uh, Paul Mooney, He was 
raw, uncut yeah. cocaine. Yeah, seriously. He gave it to you straight. And me as a stand-up, like these past, this is my 14th year. Wow, wow. Yeah, so um so so early in my in my career, I wanted to mm. be liked as a comedian. Got you. Got you. And when when people like you, you you care about their feelings and you care about not hurting their feelings with the truth. Right. So as comedians, we 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 grow, we evolve. Mm-hmm. We go from wanting to be liked to liking the truth. Talk about that, yeah. You one thing people can't escape is the truth. Right. One one thing people can never deny right. is the truth. Yeah. And Paul never denied the truth in any of the in any of his comedy. Mm-hmm. He spoke from he's he spoke from he spoke from his his well-read knowledge. Right. He spoke from the facts of society. No doubt. And of the world. Right. And whoever liked it, liked it. Whoever didn't, That's how he, was going, he was going to speak the truth again the next day For and sure. at the next show. Right. That's who he was. No doubt. And I needed to adopt that into my set so yeah. I can speak to a broader audience, so I can keep them interested in what I'm saying. For sure. Because sure. Dave Chappelle said it best. Mm-hmm. If you're not going to be funny, be interesting. At the least, right? At the least, like <laughs> you're not gonna make them laugh. Just make them be like, "Oh, right, right. yeah, never seen this before." Yeah, yeah. So okay. I say that to say, mm-hmm. writing as Paul Mooney, writing the way I would know he would say it, yeah, yeah. has helped me with my set as just being Rashad Bashir. Got you, got you. And now my goal is to. If I'm writing as Paul Mooney, kind of take away his voice a little bit and use mine mm-hmm. with the same writing. Right, right, right. And kind of adopt that and have people like, oh. Yeah. Well, here we so, go. So, yeah, that's that's how I, that's how I embody, that's how I'm embodying Paul Mooney. With you. With not you. as a, not, not just as a caricature, but, right. you know, as, as as this idea, as this, uh, as this voice. Yeah. Yeah. As this voice of the people giving the truth. hundred percent. Because let me tell you something. People don't like taking cod liver oil. No, but you cannot deny its benefits for you. Right. (laughs) It has some benefits to it for sure. Some people, a lot of people don't like the truth, No, (laughs) but they understand the benefits right behind the truth. It's necessary. Absolutely. It's definitely necessary. And, and, and what you're saying, especially, Rashad, what you said about wanting and, and, and doing your best to write fearlessly, it, it's, it's why I've often said that in my estimation, in my opinion, comics, comedians, they're in that same prophetic street corner that preachers and teachers stand on. I, I feel that like preachers, comedians, and teachers all work the same block. If they're doing their job well, they're being prophetic, they're telling the right. truth. So, so with that in mind, talk about the way, like you kind of have talked about this a, a bit with uh, Paul Mooney's work, but just really the ways in which you doing your, uh, you know, your writing, your, your stand-up, um, social media presence. How have you seen that impact people's lives? Well, I will say this: with stand-up, you're reaching a different energy mm-hmm. that's hard to like pull out. Yeah, that's hard to, which is humor. Yeah. 
uh, a comedian by the name of Tangie Fro Funny. Shout out to her. I'm like anything I'm saying. I learn. I I, I intake from from my fellow uh, my fellow comedy comrades. She said that um, a child laughs at least three to four hundred times a day. Come on. Adults only laugh. I think, uh, like one percent of that. Right. Or two percent. So kids laugh three hundred times a day. Adults only laugh. I think thirty. Come thirty on. times a day. Probably less than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to laugh more. No doubt about it. Burns it. calories. It keeps you younger, and it heals headaches. Right. Right. There's been plenty of times I've gone on stage. I was not feeling well. I, I had a bad migraine. Mm. I got up there. And my my will and drive to make people laugh, it made that headache go away. Yeah. It didn't even look like I was sick. Because once it. I got in the zone, once I got in my flow, yeah. it was just like, wow, I feel I feel invincible. Come on. Come and when on. I got on stage, it was like I felt sick. And I yeah. was like, no, nah, I gotta do more comedy. Yeah, exactly. There's been so many times I've had people come to my shows. Oh, this is a real story. Uh-huh. Uh I've run a show at this spot called Harlem Nights Bar. Got you. And I do a show every Saturday, every Monday. Every Monday is the open mic. Every Saturday is the show. Mm-hmm. A family came in. They came in. They didn't even know it was a comedy show. Mm-hmm. And they sat there. Show started. Show's going good. I'm hosting, doing my thing, hitting. At the end of the show, everybody had a great time. Yeah. They go to the table. The guy, it was, it was an older gentleman there. He said, hey, man, I just want you to know, we didn't know it was a comedy show today. We just came here because we buried my mother. Come on. He said, this is my, he said, this is my sister. It's my niece. Yeah. It's my son, or something like that. This, right, this right. is family. Yeah. And he was like, your show helped us pull away from that dark space, helped us come out of that dark space wow. of burying my mother. Yeah. And... You helped us laugh mm. at a sad situation, right? Because you never, we never know as comedians who we are affecting. That's it with our jokes, right? We have no idea how much joy we're putting into people's lives. There have been stories where people were about to com- commit suicide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On that day, right? But they, for some reason, they came to a place where there was comedy. And laughed, and were like, "Oh my God!" Right. I was about to end it all. Right. And then your comedy saved my life. Saved my life. But through our comedy, Mm -hmm. we we talk about things that we we feel that people feel that you shouldn't talk about. That's taboo. That that is uh, that are say that's like politically correct. You can't be. We can't express ourselves on certain issues. Like, we have eyes. Mm-hmm. Comedians have eyes. Whatever right. we see, we're going to be able to talk about. Sure. And I always say, we have we can talk about anything and anybody. Right. And any gender, as long as it's in good taste. That's it. Because it is the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I said, a lot of people cannot take the truth. Sure, sure. And I always say this, and I'm sure comedians say it all the time. We say it all the time. This is the thing. Comedy is a reflection of life. No doubt about it. But people have trouble looking in the mirror. Mm-hmm. That's that's powerful. I see what you look like. Right. I see who you are. You are probably in denial about who you are. 
That's take a good look at yourself. Come on. Because what you because what I'm saying is what I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call it like you see it. I, we call it like we see it. Yeah. And we make it funny. Mm-hmm. And so when you were saying that, you know, comedians are close to like preachers. Yeah. We preach the gospel of humor. Right, right. That's our that's our the way people laugh is the way Christians say amen. That's profound. <laughs> that's really profound though. Every time every time something if you if you go to church, right, the pastor says something from the Bible and it hits, Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> People's hands are up like this. Right. They're clapping. Right. The way people at comedy shows say amen is with loud laughter. Love that. That is really good. That is really good. And and you know, and and just like and just like they read from a book, comedian, we read from a book. Right. We put our scriptures in. Oh, come on. We put our notes in. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes you'll go to a church and people be like, mm, I follow you. And then at a comedy show, they're like, ah, this is interesting. <laughs> we, we go around with you because you're the pastor. We go around with you. <laughs> you. You in this office, right? Right. <laughs> and then at the end of a comedy show, depending yeah. on if it's paid or not, right. we give around, we, we pass the offering bucket. Uh-huh. We pass, if, if you love the sermon. Yeah. Let the Lord use you. <laughs> Put what you feel. <laughs> Put what you feel. Let him use you. <laughs> if you enjoyed the comedy show, yeah. let the laugh, let the laugh go. Let, let him use you. <laughs> so it is that. People come, when you have a good comedy show, when right. you, and especially a good comedy host, it's like a it's like a church pastor. Oh, that's that's fascinating. People will come to the church, right, for the pastor. Yeah, 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 that's fascinating. Because just like a just like a pastor, a great host knows how to move the crowd. Right, right. Keep the place. Knows fresh. what to say to them to get them moving, to get yeah. to make them laugh, to give them to give them the amen laugh, to make right. that amen laugh come out. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's... and coming up in. In comedy, I did a lot of urban circuits. For sure, I did. I did. So that's the that's the, that's the black circuit. Yeah, yeah. Or as they say, the Chitlin circuit. Chitlin circuit. Yeah. Which we gotta, it gotta change that up <laughs> because I'm not a Chitlin eater. I don't know no, about no. you. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we know, we know, we know. But um, coming up in the uh, in the black comedy uh, circuit. Yeah. There's an energy that has to be there when it comes mm -hmm. to a black audience. Mm -hmm. That's they we need that we need that fulfillment. Mm -hmm. Everything we've been through as For a real. people. For real. Up until this point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we need that satisfaction. We mm -hmm. need we need that kind of energy to fill us up. No doubt. Because everything else in the world is gonna take it away. Oof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Companies, other people taking our culture, trying to look like it, they're stripping us. Yeah. Yeah. Black people are the greatest natural resource on this planet. Come on. Come on. We are like gold. Right. We are like gold. As soon as they see it, oh, what they doing over there? That's a new dance. Let's try that over in Poland. It's ours let's now, try right. that over. Yeah, let's try that over in Germany. Yeah. Oh, my God, we love their hair. Mm -hmm. Let's try to find products to make our hair look nappy. That's what I'm saying. What? 
What if we thought black people are the greatest natural resource on this earth? I hear you. I hear you. This is why um, our comedy is so much, it's it's so relaxing. It's just so, it brings so much life. Right. I know how to play. So the mainstream room, that's like the comedy clubs where, you know, it's a lot more diverse. No doubt. I.e., Ten white guys, one white woman, <laughs> right. and the token black guy. On the set. Just a sprinkle, just a sprinkle just of diversity. A sprinkle. Just, a, <laughs> just a sprinkle. But now it's diverse. Now it's being more diverse. I'm seeing more yeah. black comedians yeah. and uh, and uh, Latino comedians dope, in dope. these uh, in these rooms. Yeah. Now we have representation in these rooms, and I right. and I like that, and I and I see the difference. Mm-hmm. I see the difference with the mainstream room and the and the uh and the black urban rooms. Got you. The black urban rooms, it's just like a concert. Come on. It could be twenty people in a in a in a black comedy space, in a yeah. black comedy room. Yeah. And it and it feels like it's it's a thousand in there. Like an arena in that joint. Like it's, it, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Every time I walk into one. Wow. Because that demand for that high level of comedy. Right. Is is it's just it's it's just needed, mm-hmm. you know. With the mainstream club, it helps with the writing, right? It helps with the pacing, yeah, and helps you to kind of like sit there and kind of dive into it a little bit more. Got you. Black comedy rooms allow you to do that, yeah, but you got to be able to hit fast up top and get their attention and keep it because once you got it in a black uh-huh. room, they'll let you kind of slow down, bro, and kind of get deeper. What you're saying is so fascinating to me because, like, full disclosure, I'm a preacher. Like, I I, I preach regularly. And, okay. And when I preach in black churches and white churches, it sounds so similar to what you're describing <laughs> for comic clubs. Because yes. I, can pre- I can preach to a white congregation, and it's quiet. I mean, yes. to the point where, like, when I first started, I am like, does this sermon just stink? Like, do they just not like it? But then at the end of it, people are like, I was so moved by it. And you want to shake your hand. And people might even be like crying. And so I'm like, yeah. what was this? But in the black church, you know, from the second you start, yes. <laughs> it's a ride. Like you, you there yeah. the whole time they with you call a response the whole way through. So it's fascinating to me. Like, and I think you're, you're, you're right on with the sense of because of what we go through and what we've gone through, that sense of like, th- like this is like soul work for us to be able to laugh, yes, to be able to say, hey, "Man, it's soul work." So I'm with you. Yeah, every, and that's why that's why I love us. Yeah, that's why I love us. I mean, I I enjoy people, but I love us the most. No doubt, no doubt, because of what we bring to each other. We'll walk in the room, we'll be sitting there, and maybe you know it's just us, and then mm-hmm. we'll see somebody else. That looks like us. We'll give them that head nod, or we'll give them that point. You ever yeah, do yeah. that on vacation? <laughs> you, ever do that? you ever do that on vacation? You, 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 go like, you get a different country. <laughs> you at a restaurant, you be like, man, they over here looking at us. <laughs> you see that one black person, y'all be like, hey, and they be like, hey, say so we good, we good, we good, we good. I got you, I got you. We see you. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 where you staying at? Make sure they treat you good. Right. That's <laughs> it's all facts. Yeah, all man. Facts. We and 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 I think that's what's so unique about us mm-hmm. because we don't even have to know each other. No, nah. and we can just completely identify and know what we are going through that day. Right, right, right. That's really it. Talk, talk to me about 
your experience as, as a Harlemite. You know, like I'm born and raised in Brooklyn, so I got I got love for you. I respect Harlem, blah blah blah. But like thinking about the way that part of Harlem culture, like you talk yes. about the dozens and like the flyness that that comes out of Harlem, like right. how does that inform your comedy and inform your writing? Like that, that just like being in that neighborhood, that like legendary neighborhood. Before we start, you said you're in Harlem, right? No, I said I'm from Brooklyn. I live in Virginia oh, now, from- but I'm from Brooklyn, yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because I'm in Brooklyn right now. Oh, that's a word. Okay, that's what's up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in, I'm in Crown Heights. Oh, that's how I was born. All right, there we go. <laughs> oh, shit. Wait, wait. Oh, okay, Evansville? <laughs> that's why it's, that's my aunt used to live at. <laughs> that's why I used to wow. live over there. <laughs> right over there. Yes. <laughs> I used to live over there. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, um, growing up in Harlem, it's about hustle. Mm-hmm. It's about fashion. And... Harlem is the uh, is the focal point of Black culture across America, right. across the world. Right. Anywhere you go, for real, you go to a you like you go to Africa, you go you go to you go to uh, you go to uh, France, go to Paris, anywhere, uh-huh. anywhere there's Black people, and you go there, and they be like, "You from America?" You be like, "Yeah, I'm from New York." Where you from? Are you from Brooklyn? I'm like, "No, I'm from Harlem." <laughs> Their faces light up, right? Yo, and it's Brooklyn and Harlem, the two yeah. biggest global the ambassadors, two biggest like formal ambassadors <laughs> of black people across the world. Oh, you from Brooklyn, you from Harlem? Those two places, those are the only places they they get excited from. No, from, they get excited about when you tell them that's where you're from. Right, right. When Harlem is such a rich history, the Harlem Renaissance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, uh, Harlem has has been built on like just music with from jazz to hip hop to uh, to R and B mm. to comedy, right? To uh, to fashion, it's, Harlem has never broken those traditions mm. of 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 just culture, right? You know, gentrification is trying to break that. Oof, it's doing its best. It's doing its best. It's got Brooklyn and Harlem on the ropes right now. Oh, my goodness. I'm, every time I walk around, I'm like, why do I have a taste of pumpkins, pumpkin spice latte? <laughs> it's in the air. I'm like, is, is that asparagus? Kombucha. But I'm very proud of uh, what Harlem is and what it is be- and what it is becoming. Because mm-hmm. it's not just the gentrification; it's the black people that have lived in these neighborhoods are now building their own businesses right. within the community. Right, right. And it's amazing to still see that we are still holding on to a lot of our culture. Right. To a lot of our community, I think one of my favorite things about Harlem is the African American Day Parade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So every September, when they you know they block off the street, and the parade goes down Seventh uh, Avenue, Adam right. Clayton Powell, yeah, yeah, Boulevard, and when you walk down, it's just great to see the people of Harlem, yeah, from from the oldest to the youngest, come on, just in the street loving each other, right? Don't even know each other. A lot of, I mean, a lot of them know each other, but then there's people that you see, and you be like, "Hey, how you doing? What's up, man? You mm-hmm. you enjoying yourself? You good?" Right. That's the beautiful thing about Harlem. It's like when we come together in celebration, everybody's family. Yeah, yeah. 
even I don't know how true this is, but I I know it's I know it to I I can believe it in my heart. There's people that don't sometimes that don't get along when it's For a sure. Harlem thing and they all come together. They be like, oh, all right, chill, what's up? They put it to the side. Go ahead, all right. They know how to. There's a, there's a time they know how to put that to the side, right? Let it affect that because we're here as a community. We're here celebrating our uh, our history. We're That's here it. celebrating our people, right? And I like to bring a lot of that to my my comedy. Mm-hmm. And for so long, I was a Harlem comedian. And now that I'm doing comedy in different countries, I did my first tour in Indonesia. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, it was two weeks. Yeah. I was out there, and I didn't know the language, wasn't aware of the culture, but I took the time to learn. Come on. And it took me like three days, four days to learn their language, and yeah. it added to my set. There we go. I know they love that. Oh, yeah, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. like... It felt good because they said this dude knows our culture. Right. He knows our language and he took the time to learn because that's where I come from. Got you. Got you. That's where I come from. Yeah. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to continue to be, I'm going to continue to be a Harlem comedian. Right. But I'm going to be a comedian that takes Harlem with him. That's, that's the difference. That's what I did. That's the difference. Because a very famous comedian told me after he roasted me for 10 minutes. (laughs) He said, you got to do your comedy all around the world. Yeah, yeah. Don't just stay local. Right. Do your comedy everywhere, in, in London, in, in Russia, in China, India, wherever. Got you. Tracy Morgan. That's so, wow, another giant. Tracy Morgan. Yeah, another giant. Fast right forward, there. I'm doing a, a two-week tour, five cities, Indonesia, and the response was like, I was bigger than Kevin Hart. Come on. I felt like the way they were responding to me. Right. I felt like I was bigger than the big comedians. Exactly. Now. Right. It was, it was amazing. I believe it. And I got such a great response. They were like, we want you to come back and shoot your special here. In Indonesia. Like live from Jakarta. (laughs) <laughs> live from Jakarta. <laughs> yeah, like live from Jakarta. Live from Jakarta. Live from uh, uh, Bandung, Jakarta, Malang, Bali. Yo, Bali. I'll I'll go to Bali. Have yeah, you been yeah, to Bali? No, I never been. No, no, no. Oh man, Bali is a Bali is a is a sight. Yeah, lives up to the height. That, yeah, there you go. Yeah. At first, I didn't like it. At I'll first, I did not like it. Yeah, because I'm going across the country and I'm seeing. I'm going across Indonesia, five cities, and I'm seeing people that are just amazed at, like, seeing me. Right, 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 right. Then I get to Bali, and it's just, like, it's a lot of, it's very Americanized. and Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, like, a lot of, like, Russians and uh, Australians that's right. out there. So I just look Super like I'm just a regular person. Yeah, yeah. But later on, we started to go places, and I was just like, oh, this is dope. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This. All right. This is Bali. This yeah, is what yeah. I came to experience. Got you. Got you. But it was a. It was a. It was an eye-opening experience. It mm-hmm. changed my outlook on, on, how I deliver my message, mm-hmm. how I deliver my comedy, right. and who I deliver my comedy to. For sure. For sure. Because now my network is expanded. It has expanded. Right. Until this day, and and that I I, I we. 
we got back Christmas night. Uh-huh. Now when I go live, a lot of people from Indonesia, they go into my stream. Come on. And they go, Apa kabar? Hey, come what's on. up? Yo, when you're coming back, we want, to, we want you to come back. And it was just like, yeah, I was there meant to do is. this. That's what I'm saying. And I, I, love that. I love that because I feel like a lot of people who don't mature past that sense of like, I want to be the funniest person in my neighborhood, the funniest person on my block. Like they may not know that that's not the, that's not the market for them. Like their market may be overseas somewhere, but they're missing out on that because they're scared to get on the plane. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, a very funny comedian. And I'm always quoting comedians because that's what I learned from. For sure. And you know, very funny comedian by the name of Kenny Williams. Mm-hmm. He said something that was like very eye-opening, but it it was like I was like, yeah, got it. Right. He said, "You are where you are because of your set. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are where you are because right. of your set. If you can only talk about things in your local area and your local perimeter, then that's you're not going to go anywhere further than that." Right. Right. If you talk about more personal things and what people are going through outside mm-hmm. of your perimeter, that's 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 where you'll that's where you'll start to be able to expand to. That's where you'll Makes start sense. going because you're like, this can work here. This can yeah. work. This can work in Chicago. This can work in L.A. This can work in uh, this can work in Texas, yeah. in Dallas. This can work in Florida. This can this can work. In, this can work in Mexico. Right. Right. Once you start challenging yourself to talk yeah. about things that that affect the world and that people of across all cultures no doubt. are going through, then you are able to move and to travel and yeah. to and to be international. Right. And that's what I'm striving for right now. I hear it. I hear it. What you what you're saying, Rashad, makes me think about um, you know, when I used to uh, be an English teacher and I would teach about Shakespeare and I would say that when you get super specific, the more specific you are, the more able you are to tap into that which is universal. So rather exactly. than trying to talk about you know everything you're seeing, go into real detail about what you're going through, and something in that's going to tap into someone's experience who you have never met yet. You know what I mean? Like right? Yeah, I'm with you. With you thank you, thank you. Yeah, the the end goal for comedians is to be universal. Of course. And once you're able, once you're able to cross back and forth between, uh, you know, talking to black people and then talking to everyone, right? You'll be able to bring everyone to yeah. your show, yeah. Because everyone there has a uh, has something in common. They know that you're funny. Mm-hmm. They like who you are. They mm-hmm. like what you talk about. Because what I'm talking about is funny to y'all, so it's bringing everyone together. Right, right, right. With that. Talk to me about a moment in your life or in this journey that made you feel extremely grateful or just like in awe, like, whoa, I can't believe this is happening right now. What was the moment in your life that did that? Uh, yeah, that uh, that that comedy award show that mm. I was telling you about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being around the comedians that I watched growing up right. in movies, right. on TV shows, and I'm saying to myself, I'm in this space. Mm-hmm. Take that in. Yeah. Let yourself know that you will be known to these folks. Right, right, right. That was the first one. Second one was recently. Uh, I got a chance to 
perform at the Apollo Comedy Club. Uh-huh. Shout out to Bob Sumner. Okay. You don't you know Bob Sumner? No, no, not personally, no. So Bob Sumner, he was one of the founders of the comedians from Def Jam. Got you, got you, got you. Bob Sumner, he was he founded those talents. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he helped launch a lot of careers. So I did a show in Jersey last year in April in front of Bob Sumner. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, he comes to my room for a comedy networking event. Got you. Calls me on stage. And this is around, this is two days before my birthday. Uh-huh. And he says, he said, Rashad, I want to give you a gift. I'll see you at the Apollo. Here that was in go. November. Yeah. Second thing, I got my show on Saturdays into the New York Comedy Festival. Mm-hmm. New York Comedy Festival is the biggest comedy festival on the East Coast. Right. Big names from all over. Everybody's there. Come to New York. Got my show in. Third thing, I got to go on tour in a different country. Yeah. All back to back. Come on. All back to back. It was just, it was like Jordan draining threes in the fourth quarter. Come on. Just on fire. It was, it was amazing. And it, and I said to myself, I cannot give up. Right, right. You will never win if you give up. That's a fact. You will, you will, you will never get what you want if you get. You can, you can pause and rest. Yeah. But once you're rested, get up. Right. You catch your win. Get up. Run even further. Yeah, got to. So those three things, those four things, were monumental to me. It let me know, like, okay, I was meant to be here. Mm-hmm. And I have so many goals that I that I didn't have before that I have now yeah, that I can yeah. say, oh, this is, I, I can get this. I can, I can reach this now. Yeah. Your goal is expanded because of the opportunity. Yes. Every, every my, once, once I've done the work, my question is what's next? Right. So I, I did the tour. What's next? Absolutely. Theaters, uh, more road work. Right. Sitcoms. Mm-hmm. Writing my own sitcoms. Good, good. Be, becoming a better writer first. Becoming a better writer and uh, improving on my stand-up mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Every day. With you, with you. Yeah. I hear that. Um, so when you think about uh, outside of your work, like what's something that you like to spend your time doing? Like what are the, what are the activities? Cause I know a lot of comedians, just personality-wise, tend to be like very like observant people. Like, how right. do you sort of, like, spend your time and really... Uh, it doesn't even have to be, like, on the clock or going thinking of material, but how do you sort of spend your time in order to find, like, your inspirations? Oh, that's easy. Instagram. Yo, oh. I am on Instagram. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm on... I am on Instagram so much. It is oh, unbelievable. But sometimes I realize, like, being on Instagram is... Never a good thing, right? Because I'm sitting there, I'm scrolling, yeah. and it's like I, I say, you know what? I just need to find somebody on Instagram just to see their name, and then next thing I know, the sun is going back down. I'm like, damn, I didn't even go nowhere. <laughs> the whole day's gone. <laughs> My whole day is gone. So I'm like, you know what? Let me not do Instagram. I, I'm trying to uh, read more for an hour a day. No doubt. 
then I can expand it to like two hours a day. I watch Netflix. I like to watch different specials. Gotcha. Because I like to see the writing process. I like right. to hear the writing process. Right. How did they set that up? Why are they telling this joke mm -hmm. the way that they are? Yeah. Because a lot of times when I'm watching a comic, I know they're telling that joke to set up for something later on down their set to have a bigger payoff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm just like, okay, I saw what they did there. Right. Uh, I watch the news sometimes, and I, I, I really don't like watching the news because it. it's super traumatic. Yeah. And it puts all these ideas in your head to where you... I, I just got to cut it off. Yeah. I just got to cut it off. So I, I, I really can't do it. Uh, I go for walks. Walking's, walking does help. Mm -hmm. uh, going in Prospect Park. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize how much of a benefit that was. Oh, yeah. Just walking around and just just taking in, you know, that that Itching. that that energy, the quietness of walking in the, of walking in the park. Just yeah. help, helping you to be with your own thoughts. Right. Uh, I talked to my wife. Dope, dope. Uh, she's, uh, she, she's, oh, man, just lifesaver. No doubt. Lifesaver. Uh, sharing my ideas with her and she giving her honest opinions about it and uh really you know just you know just being with her i, I thank god for my wife no we've doubt. been together we've been together 13 years let's go yeah man so we've we've been married for over a year but we've been together 13 13 that's years up, man. That's so she's been she's been with me since the beginning that's of right. my comedy the whole career. journey Oh, she's been with me the whole journey, and that is that is amazing. Yeah, to to it is amazing to have that because we were in our twenties. Come on, right? We did our we did our whole twenties together. together. Yeah, yeah. We did our we did our whole twenties together, and you look at that and say, "Hold on to this for sure," because it's very hard for young people in their twenties. Mm -hmm. To be together into their thirties. Thirties, yeah, for it's, real. It's 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 rare because yeah. when you're in your twenties, you want to be out, you want to be partying, you want to be tied down, you know. Right. But when you find something and you see that this is worth holding on to, you worth holding on to. You don't let it go. That's the truth. You don't let it go, no matter what y'all go through. If y'all break up and y'all get back together, right? You be like, okay, this was this was meant to be, right? And you learn from each other every day. That's it. You, you, you yeah, learn. Yeah. You, you learn what makes y'all what makes you upset, what makes you happy, and a lot of times, a lot of our happiness is us just giving each other space. That's wisdom. You got to be able to give you. You got to be able to give one another space. Yeah. Allow. Allow because we're can, we're in control of our own happiness. Mm -hmm. We make each other happy. Right. But our True joys and pleasures are our own responsibility. Got you, got you. We can ask, how can I assist? Right. If you can't get something that pleases you, do you need me to go get it? Yeah, yeah, That's how I can give you pleasure, by going to get you something that pleases you. Right, how can I help you? Right. Right, how can I pour into you mm -hmm. and you pour into me equally? Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, man, uh, I talk with my wife, uh, I walk, uh, I read, I read. I try to. I'm, uh, we got a whole library right here. Dope, dope. 
we got a whole library I can just choose from and just read read up on some things. And mm-hmm. I asked myself, how can I apply this to my comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my whole thing now is not only making my audiences laugh, but giving mm-hmm. them valuable information. Got you, got you. Things they probably didn't read about before. Right. That they can be like, oh, that was funny. Mm-hmm. And then be like, let me go investigate this. Right. So uh, I'm trying to self-educate myself every Mm -hmm. day, reading something different and figuring out how I can make it funny and also inform my audiences about it. Mm -hmm. That way they can do their own investigation about things. And because jokes only work when people know stuff. 100%. So if I say, if I make a reference in my joke, and people be like, I didn't get it. Right, and flew I'm like, over their head. Read up on it. Right. And they like, that flew over my head. And I'm like, read up on it. And when they read up on it, they call me back. Yo, that joke was hilarious. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, you're about a month late. But, <laughs> yeah, we moved on, but welcome. Right? We, we moved on, but I thank you. I thank you. But now, now that I've informed people, they become more aware. No doubt. Of certain things. Right. And now they're able to be like, all right, let me start doing some investigation myself. No doubt. No doubt. So that's, and and this is why I love comedy, because it's just like gospel. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just like, it's just like preaching the word. Yeah. Because a lot of times when you say something that hits here, right. that hits somebody right in their heart, yeah. they're going to be like, oh my God, I just did that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I just experienced that. Mm-hmm. And that's my favorite thing. Yeah. When I tell a joke that's so funny and people come back to me and be like, Rashad, that just happened to me. Oh my God, <laughs> you, you're, you're hilarious. I'm coming to your next show. There it is. So there that, it is, uh, that's, that's my process. Uh, yeah. Just know people, know who I am. Right. Uh, I read up, uh, try to be as knowledgeable as I can. And be as authentic as I can. Got you. Yeah. It's, it's the truth. Once again, truth comes back into the play here. It's like right. people really need the truth. They appreciate it and they respect it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So so a question I ask um, every guest here uh, is uh, imagine that you're hosting a dinner. You can yes. invite four guests. They can be dead, living, fictional, or real people. Rashad, who are you bringing to this dinner? Oh... Oh man. Oh, that is uh that is oh cuz it's, it's so many. That's that's always the problem. That's always the problem. It's it's so many. It's so it's so many. First, I would definitely bring my martial arts instructor. All right. When I was uh doing taekwondo, when I was uh practicing taekwondo, mm. That was a major time in my life where I had self-confidence gotcha. where I could walk in the street and know I could protect myself and be safe. So, so, so. Not to say that I can't do that, but right. um, I have to be a lot more aware. Yeah. Because my instructor, my instructor and his father, they instilled the discipline in me that I can walk in these streets and uh, know that I can protect myself and possibly protect others if need be. Yeah. Uh, number two. Number two. 
oh man, this is uh definitely my grandmother. Yeah, yeah. Get She's you, uh yeah. She when she uh when she passed, it was it was, mm -hmm. it was very hard. Right. It's right. very hard. She was uh she's the matriarch of our family. Mm-hmm. And when she when she passed, I took it really hard. Even when uh even when I'm in the Bronx and I take the train past the stop where we used to get off to go visit her. You feel something. It it kinda like, oof. Yeah. Yeah. yeah true. It's definitely my grandmother. Um definitely my mom. Uh-huh. Yeah, my mom has to be there. Yeah, how small is this table? That's all I need to know. How, <laughs> like, is there extra seats? Can somebody sit on somebody's lap? Previous guests have found a way to put more sleeves on the table. It's become kind of like ah. the, the the banquet hall by the time they're done. <laughs> you, you you said four though, right? I, I, I put you. I limited to four, but you know, I, I've had people put in like whole groups. You know, like you know, ah, uh, because my my parents have to be there. Yeah. My parents have to be there. I get my you. mom, my dad, and my biological father. Gotcha. Because I don't call I, I don't call I don't like calling my stepdad my, right. my my stepdad. Right. He um he's he's been in my life since I was eight months old. Oh come on, right. So yeah, he's the whole story, right. He's he's part of the whole story. Mm-hmm. So uh my parents, uh yeah, so my mom my father and my biological father. So they have to be, they have to be there. My, my grandmother has to be there. Uh, my martial arts instructor. Got you. Has to be there. And wow. Wow. I think that's it. That's, that's it. I, I, yeah. I think that's a, that's a fantastic group. I, I always laugh at, uh, you know, people will share just like such brilliant insights on like all these other questions. And this question jams people up. It's just like, like yeah, it does. It's, it's just like if I said, think of 30 people, maybe that's easier. I don't know. Like, <laughs> but something about four is like makes it more tough. You know? Yeah. yeah. What, I say my martial arts instructor because, you know, it was we even though he was my instructor and he was, and he was, uh, he gave me great discipline. Mm -hmm. He also saw who I was. As, That's real. As a, as a, as a youngster. Like I was right. like, I was probably like four, like 14 to no 15 to like 20, 21. Wow. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like 15 to when I was like 20, 21 years old. Uh-huh. You know, it was, he was, he's very, uh, in, influential to me he's very right. inspirational right and you know to study the arts is to you know study yourself true story you know so, what you know you know you know how can like how well can you throw your kick how well right. you throw your kick is how well you practice and strengthen your body right how well is your discipline yeah 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 is what this instructor teaching you mm -hmm. valid Right. What is, is he teaching you to kick properly? Is he telling you how to lock? Is he telling you how to chamber well? Right. Is he telling you about nutrition and how to treat your body? He did Come that. On. And that's why he has to have a seat at the table. I'm with that. Changed your life. 
Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because through that discipline showed me how to discipline myself and to study a craft and study it well. Right. And a lot of people don't see, they don't acknowledge comedy as an art form. Come on. That part. It's, it's the most disrespected art, but the most needed. Yeah. People got to laugh. Like, not, uh, laughing is not laugh. an option. It's not an option. Not, laughing is not an option. Yeah. One thing I will say is it's disrespected. It's a disrespected art because everybody thinks they can just jump up there and do it. Right, right, right. Because, because they feel that they're funny amongst their friends, their coworkers. Yeah, yeah. That's a specific group. That's a specific group. Yeah. You're funny amongst your friends because y'all are all inside on the joke. Right, right. How can you take what y'all laugh at in the group and make it funny to other people that don't know y'all? It's strangers. <laughs> it's, yes. Yes. Yeah. So first, when you get on, first with comedy, you got to be comfortable up there and not look nervous. That part. Because it's easy for you to yell at me from the from the back of the room. Yo, I'm funny. And then we mm -hmm. get you up there, and you be like, "Yo, um, <laughs> yo, yo, look at this ugly dude right here." And they be like, "No, not worth it." Yo, um, white people, right? You like, nah, nah, white we not doing people, it. Right? Yeah, that, that's that's literally how that it goes. Almost every go. time somebody gets on stage thinking that's they can do stand up, right? It's, yeah. And it. It's it's so funny to me, and when they get off stage, and they be like, "Much respect." Yeah, I didn't realize how difficult this was. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. That's real. That's yeah. true. So, so what upcoming projects do you have that you want us to check out? Like, where can we um, keep up with your work? Obviously, on Instagram, I want you to plug um, on, on social media. But where where else can we uh, keep up with your work? Yeah, so you can follow me. I'm on Instagram, uh, Arbashir underscore comedy. I'm also on TikTok as under the same uh tag. Uh, -huh. uh I got uh I have a few projects coming up as far as like sketch shows. Cool. Uh we're gonna be putting out clips on on my I'm gonna be putting out clips on my Instagram so you can follow that. So I'm looking to uh make Stephen A. Smith and the Shannon Sharp a full on like It's so just, funny to me. <laughs> yeah, because he wouldn't do that to you. That's the one. I was <laughs> crying. <laughs> I was like, it's it, 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 the the way that like you really pay attention to how Stephen they be talking because he really does that when he drops his voice when he's not just like yeah. screaming. He just drops his voice. I was like, there it is. It's the details. It's the details. Oh man! <laughs> also, the guy that's in that video. Shout out to my guy yeah. Idris. We are having, we are starting a comedy uh, variety show. Okay. At a place called Coexist. Uh, it is a black-owned gaming uh, facility. Oh, that's dope. Yeah, so, yeah. It's going to be January 30th. Uh, that's going to be our first show. We just shot some promos for it, so that's going to be on our Instagram as well. Great. You can see it on mine. We're going to do that uh, every second. Every second and last Tuesday uh -huh. of each month. Okay. So we're going to be doing uh, stand-up comedy, uh, sketch improv. Mm -hmm. 
We're also going to be doing uh, cosplay karaoke. Okay. So if anybody that's into anime, right. video gaming, this place is amazing. Yeah, it's yeah. called Coexist. It's black-owned by a black uh, Afro-Latina. Oh, there we go. She's so amazing. Right. You walk into this place and you're like, yeah, this is wh- this is where I need to be. Come on. That's all. That's awesome. uh, it's located at 325 West 38th Street. All right. So if anybody wants to come out, yeah. uh, please do. They also have memberships that people can pay for. Perfect. So there's like a $25 membership where you can go. It's like $25 a month. Yeah. And you have access to unlimited video games. There it is. From Atari all the way up to PS5. Come on. Right, right. Yeah. There it is. So definitely, please. Her name is uh, Letta J. Uh-huh. L-E-T-T-A. NJ. Uh-huh. So look out for Letta J. And she uh, she's amazing. There it is. She's amazing. Please support her. And uh, yeah. Thank y'all for supporting me. If you if y'all if y'all ever see my Paul Mooney videos, yes. Uh, thank y'all for the uh, comments. Thank y'all for the likes. Thank y'all for the follows. And stay tuned. I'm gonna be coming out with uh, more Paul Mooney reactions. Yes. Wake up, nigga. It's just like I, I watch I watch you do it, and I had to go on YouTube and just like watch like. Uh, Jesus is black and so is Cleopatra. Know your history or something like that. Just like yes. watching because it's just like yes. it was. It was like this is exactly what he would say about what's happening right now. It was just yes. perfect. Like I, yeah, what well, he yes. said. It was like Karen Luther King or some joint. You said and just kept oh 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 yeah, Karen Luther King, Martin Luther Kevin. Yes, uh, that was Coretta Scott Karen. <laughs> What in the white condo forever is going on? They are doing the colonizer shuffle. These. <laughs> oh, man. It's so good, yo. So good. <laughs> and I was. And, and, and I say like this, and I say it today, and, I, and I'm going to finish with this. Oh, good. Paul Mooney is one of those comedians that would have a tough time getting work because of who he is and yeah. how he delivers and the way he delivers the truth. Yeah. So this is, this. so I, I, take, I take the sensitivity right. of the world and I take the voice of Paul Mooney. Yeah. And I would say, how, can, how would he be able to exist in this time and where he's still around. How Come would he on. be able to do comedy right. in this time? So that's how I that's how I put those two equations together. Yeah. And thus you have the videos that I put out. Dude, it is a sign of brilliance. Keep on going. I, I know iPhone will be supporting your work, man. It's it's great, man. So keep keep it going, man. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And y'all know what it is. Um, listen to this on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Please subscribe to baddestchaplain.substack.com. Follow us on uh, IG, TikTok, uh, Facebook, all at Baddest Chaplain. Until next time, man, take care and be blessed. Talk to y'all soon. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. Of course.